Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I won't keep you long this morning because we have so much going on and I just want to get right to the point. As you know, we're in a brand new series entitled Pieces, the story of Job. And over these past couple of weeks, we've, we've talked about suffering and how we make it through suffering. And we are in a time, my brothers and sisters, where no matter what we do, on te- you know, you can be on social media, you can look at television, you can't even pick up a local newspaper anymore without seeing or hearing about someone dying. Uh, even just this past week, the tragedy of these young people headed to uh, Africa on a mission trip, traveling all the way from Huntsville, Alabama. Tragically, one child uh, died in that accident. It's, it's constant suffering. Uh, the parents, just think about all that went into it to raise all this money for that child to go to Africa. And then suddenly you don't plan this and this child uh, did not return home because of this accident. Tragedy is all around us. Suffering is all around us. We read stories even overseas where where Christians are coming together to pray and then these terrorists blow up the whole bus. I mean, this is this is crazy. You know, people knowing they're risking their lives to get in church, knowing that it possibly means death, but they're willing to risk it all to experience and encounter God. There's suffering and tragedy all around us. And, 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 and what I wanted and what I've been trying to do beginning with week one is just to show you how Job dealt with it. You know, the first thing we read in chapter one is that Job lost everything. He lost his money. He lost any hope of making any more money. He lost all of his children and then what does the bible say he did he ripped he ripped and tore his clothes and worshiped he worshiped and then and then and then the second thing was the devil tempted him with the permission of god and 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 even in all of that job losing all of that left with his wife uh only uh he he he, the devil says well he still didn't curse you and i i still i think i can get him if you let me god uh tempt him by by hurting him physically and God gave him permission. He said, you can hurt him physically. You just can't kill him. And, and, we, and we see in that that even through his physical suffering, the man lost everything, possessions and family, children, good life, good man, lost all of these things. And, 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 and then in the end, he suffers these ailments through the permission of God, yet he still, the Bible says, he did not sin against God through his lips. And, 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 and so this week, what I want to talk to you about is, well, suffering is not meant to be done alone. Suffering is not meant to be done alone. I mean, uh, oftentimes, many of us, uh, depression comes from when, when people are in a place where they're by themselves, they have nobody to talk to, they have no outlet. 
They're going through their suffering by themselves. I was talking with someone this morning. This is like when you're sitting by yourself, uh, isolated, alone, you are alone with your thoughts and that causes greater suffering, depression. That's where depression lives is, is in isolation. But I want to share with you today the importance of having people with you when you're going through any kind of suffering because it is promised to us. It is promised. It is promised. I, w- I just want to make that, make that aware. It is promised to us that we will suffer. Listen to the words of James. He says, when you suffer trials of any kind. He didn't say if. He says when, meaning you are going to do it. Listen to the words we find in the Bible of God where he says, no weapon formed against you will be successful. No weapon formed against you will prosper. He didn't say that weapons wouldn't be formed against you. He said there will be weapons. They will be formed against you. That's suffering. But they will not be successful. They won't kill you. They won't take you out. But you got to understand this. In every single one of these accounts, and we'll even see it with Job, he had people that was in his corner. One of the greatest lessons, my brothers and sisters, I learned in 2016 was to distinguish those who are in my circle from those who are in my corner. I'll say that again. One of the greatest lessons I learned in 2016 was to distinguish those who are in my circle versus those who are in my corner. Now, I got a whole bunch of people in my circle. These are the people that say they are, these are the people, excuse me, that say they are fans of mine. These are the people that will, will, will say, hey, brother, texting you. I'm praying for you. These are the people that when I say, man, I could use some prayers, they will send me the emoji of hands put together, but won't pick up the phone to call me. These are the people that say, man, we're rooting for you. We're rooting for Mosaic Church. Man, we're praying for your marriage, but ain't done nothing to come and see if our marriage is as strong as I let on it to be. Have not come into the church to see if the church is as strong as I said it is to be. Got a lot of people in my circle but only a few in my corner. But here's the thing, that's okay. Because all you need is a few in your corner. Notice this, Jesus had 12 disciples uh, and, and they were hanging out. As a matter of fact, I'll go further, there were 70 or more. Okay? But, but, but then there was 12 that were kind of distinguished. But then out of the 12, there were three. Every time he went to go somewhere and pray, he would have these three with him. He, it, it was always the three that were with him. These are the people that I would say were in Jesus's corner. The thing about having a good corner, man, is that if you, if you like boxing like I do or, or MMA or UFC or any of that, you know, violent stuff that my wife absolutely detests, you understand that what makes a fighter great is not just their talent alone, but it's the people in their corner telling them what to do. A, a good corner man will tell you, watch this, you have three people normally in your corner. You got the guy who's the cutter. He fixed the cuts, right? He knows how to put just the right amount of Vaseline. He will tell you if we need to call the fight or not call the fight. That's the one they look to to make the final decision on. If you got cut, should we call it? Should we throw in the towel? Then you got your coach in there telling you, you know what, you keep dropping that right. If you keep that right up here, every time he swings left, then you, you know, you could tag him. He's giving you the instructions and telling you how to beat your opponent. You've got these people in your corner. And then you got those other people that are in your circle. All the people that paid to buy the ticket to see you fight. Those who put money on you to win for their benefit. Y'all got to catch that part. Those are a lot of circle people. 
They're fans. They'll invest because there's something in return for them. But a corner person don't matter about the return. They just want to see you win. They've counted the cost and paid the price to see you win. And in 2016, I discovered and was able to distinguish who these people were. Those who are in my corner versus those who are in my circle. When you are facing crisis or going through a season of suffering, the question I have to ask you is who's there? When you are falling to pieces, who's holding you together? Oh man, I, I, I pray, I got, I got God. Amen. Amen. But nowhere in the Bible do I read that people who experienced the miraculous did it by themselves. Holy Spirit typically showed up in corporate settings. Read your Bible, people. Showed up where, where, where there were more than one person gathered, where they, where they came together corporately to seek God. They fought, they went to war in the spirit for victory. Not individually. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. When facing challenges of all kinds, it is in the midst of tragedy that we become cognizant of those that are for us and those that perhaps may not be. Now, 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 just because somebody has not said publicly or displayed publicly that they're for you don't mean that they're against you. It just means that they may not be for you. There's a difference. Against you mean I want to see you lose. I want to see you fall. I want to see you fail. Uh, if you're on fire, I won't even offer my urine to help you out. That, that's against you. But not being for you is not against you. It's just saying, I'm not for you. That's your business. I'm out of it. Now, you will have haters. And you will have people that are in your circle that may appear to be against you. And we're going to talk about that today. If you have your Bibles, jump with me over to Job chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And let's see what happens here with Job. Who's helping Job out? Job chapter 2 verse 11 through 13. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Hold on, let's catch this catch that up again. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy that he had suffered, what they do? They got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Nidanamathite. And when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. The man had been beaten up so bad emotionally and physically at this point, they couldn't even recognize him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him. This is the part I want y'all to get. <laughs> for seven days and nights, no one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Say seven days. Seven nights. Seven days. Seven nights. 
Now, when you first read this, you kind of like, yeah, they are in Job's corner. They, they left their houses and they went to be with him and, and they comforted him and they consoled him. Now, let me tell you what happens between chapter Job chapter 3 all the way till we get to Job chapter 16. There's these letters going back and forth. Job agonizing about the suffering he's going through. He's even going as far as saying, God, why did you even let me be born? Why wouldn't you let me born be born dead he's depressed he's going through it he's saying God why why me why am I suffering and we also know that even Jesus had those kind of concerns even Jesus asked for a release of his suffering for a moment read your Bible so it's not it's not a bad thing that Job is in this predicament saying, God, why am I suffering? Why am I suffering? And those same friends who you thought were in his corner for the next several chapters, all they do is criticize him. They start off, and let me let me fix this. They start off supportive. They rip their clothes, they left their houses. Maybe they had wives and children. They left them for seven days and seven nights to be with their friend. But at some point, they were like, dude, when you going to get over this crap, dude? I mean, okay, so you lost your cows and your chickens and your, and your female donkeys. Okay, and, 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 and I get it. You lost 10 children, all of your children. Okay, but get over it already. In essence, that's what they were saying. It's been seven days. Get over it already. And some of us have suffered just like that. Maybe it wasn't your money. Maybe it wasn't your children. Maybe, maybe it wasn't your house. Or maybe it wasn't your livelihood. But you've suffered and you've had friends call you, bring you meals for 24 to 48 hours. But where are they now? Amen, lights. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens because some of us are looking at ourselves like, man, I've been that friend. I've let some people down. Don't worry, I'm guilty. I'm with you. That's why we're talking about this. Because there will come a point where you need your friends. And you want to look seven days and seven nights later. And on the eighth day, will they still be there? When you are suffering, when things are falling to pieces, who's holding you together? We know that even in the midst of all that's going on, Job's wife tells him, why don't you just go on ahead and curse God and die already? Now, I've misread that. May I say that publicly? Confession, I misread that scripture. Because I thought that she was just a nagging wife. I thought that she was just an uncompassioned wife. That she was just honoring. But when I read it, and studied it and thought about it she wasn't saying that to be mean or spiteful she was saying it out of deep desperation for her husband she was tired of seeing him hurt so bad she was tired of his agony she wasn't complaining about it she's like I don't want to see you hurt no more just maybe it's easier for you to go out this way because if you think about it, this is a mother. And what does she lose? Okay, we can lose the money, honey. That can be replaced. Uh, we can lose the house, baby. We'll get another. 
but not my babies, 10 of them that I carry nine months each. And back then there wasn't no epidurals. Just want to make that clear. It wasn't no painkillers and give me another hit of that. 10 naturally. Sure, she was agonizing. I think a part of her wanted to go with them in this. But then these friends of Job's, <laughs> they were friends for a season. They weren't there in the end when he was still agonizing, when he was still in pain. So, 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 so how can I help you, my brothers and sisters, be that? Let's read Job 16, verse 1 through 6. This is what Job says. Because between chapter 3 all the way to 16, there's an exchange of letters between Job and his friends. He would write a letter, then one of his friends would respond. He'd write a letter again, then another friend would respond. And they go back and forth, back and forth. And eventually they get to a point where they're frustrated. Like, okay, man, we done told you to just read the Bible. But if you, if you ain't going to pray and read the Bible and you're going to complain, forget about it. Now they're going to start criticizing him. And this is what happens. They criticize him. And this is Job's response to their criticism. Ready? Then Job spoke again. I have heard all of this before. What miserable comforters you are, exclamation point. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking? I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, hmm, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. Instead, I suffer if I defend myself. And I suffer no less if I refuse to speak. Job is telling them, I've done everything right. What did I do wrong? And, and Job's main thing that he's writing about, this whole discourse, his whole argument is like, God, just help me understand what I did. I'm not saying take away the suffering, but let me understand what I did so I won't do it again. I'm not saying I don't deserve this, but I want to know where I went wrong. And all Job is doing in these letters that he's writing is asking God and sharing these letters with his friends. And all his friends can do is criticize him. Dude, you had all the money in the world. So what is going? You'll get it back again. Dude, you had a you have beautiful children. Uh, don't worry about it. God will still bless you. Man, you had a beautiful house. Don't worry about that house. It'll come back again. Man, you had female donkeys. Man, you get some more. Don't come about it again. Just read the Bible. And Job was like, man, I know all of this stuff, but I need support. Hug me or something. Have y'all seen the Facebook post of the little girl hugging her daddy? Oh man, y'all gotta see that. It's amazing. And Job is saying, hug me. Understand my grief. Don't give me scripture. And too many times, that's what we do. You know what? You need to read uh, Psalms. You need to read a proverb today. That'll help you. You know what? Let's just pray. Sometimes all they needed was a shoulder. They don't need your words. When people are going through stuff, they don't remember what you say unless you say something stupid. Can I be honest? They don't remember what you say unless you say something stupid. But they remember who was there. They remember who showed up. They remember who sat there with them. They remember who, who, who handed them a handkerchief to blow their nose in. They remember who, who was there to hug them. They remember your scent. 
They remember your face. They remember your hug. All of that. They remember who was there. Not your words. And this is all Job is saying. I'm falling to pieces. And no one is here to hold me together. Nobody in this room has been like that, I guess. I think we all have been there. Some more drastically than others. I'm falling to pieces. The world around me is crumbling. And who is there to hold me together? Right now, I I get it. Want me to pray. But you know what? I don't even have the energy to do it. I should read the Bible, man. I can't read nothing without thinking about what I'm going through right now. Go to church. Why? So people can know my business. And hear this pastor say, all you need to do is pray. And he don't even know what I'm going through. No, I don't. I don't need that right now. I just need. Can you just sit with me? Who is there when the world is falling apart to hold things together for you? Well, we can't look to Job's friends for that, right? So I had to go and look at another brother that we and all we all know who was who suffered, who suffered greatly, suffered greatly, but a promise was fulfilled through him. If you will, I want you to join me over in the book of First Samuel. First Samuel chapter twenty-three, verse fifteen through eighteen. First Samuel. Chapter 23, verses 15 through 18. 1 Samuel 23, 15 and 18. We find these words. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. He said, don't be afraid. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. And then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horesh. How can you be a friend in a time of need? How can you be a friend in times of need? Let me let me help you with this. The first thing I want to point out from the scripture is if you're taking notes. A friend in times of need. Number one, meet you in the place where you are. A friend in times of need meets you in the place where you are. Can I can I fix that just a little bit so it can make a little bit of sense to you? They don't just meet you physically in the location. They meet you where you are emotionally. In other words, let's look at what Jonathan did. Jonathan leaves his cushy, comfortable palace. Goes out into this place where David was, Ziph. Ziph, in case you don't know and look this up geographically, is the wilderness. Where lions and tigers and bears live. Oh my. Jonathan. So desperate. To help his friend. Leaves the comfort. 
of his palace to go into the darkness of the wilderness simply to encourage his friend. To be a friend in times of need, you've got to go to where that person in need is. You've got to go there physically. Watch this. What did I just say? Those people in the circle, I need prayer. Hash emoji, prayer hands. One word, praying. You know you ain't praying. I ain't going to call about that. You know you ain't praying. I'm going to pray for you. I promise you, I'll pray for you. Last night, somebody called me for prayer. Actually, it was my dad. I'll just say it. Tonight is a big night for our family. My father's nominated for a Tony Award for best director of a, of a play. And so we, 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 I mean, we've been praying. I mean, I know that's not, you know, I know some of y'all got real issues you work with. I get it, but I'm just saying. That's what he called me for. So I prayed for him. Right then and there. I wasn't like, all right, dad, you know what? I'm going to add it to my prayer list. If it's important to you, it's important to me. Let's pray right now. And it wasn't dad. It wasn't God. Let my dad win this award. No, I mean, I wore. I went, I went to war. I went to war in prayer for that. I was at a meeting with a woman one time. I was uh, at Publix, and I've, I've shared this story before. A woman needed prayer in the line. I stopped the line. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cashier. Let's, let's do it right now. Don't ask. I'll be quick, I promise. Don't tell me you need prayer if you don't really want it. If you tell me you need prayer, well, let's, let's do it right now. Why wait? I ain't going to put your prayer on hold. Let's do it right now. Come on. Touch hands and do it. Not, I'll be praying for you. And as soon as I get in the car, something happened. Before I get home, something else happened. By the time I get to, to, to getting to the point where I want to pray, I don't forgot what that person needs. I know that's not y'all because y'all, y'all holy in this place. So I, I just share with some people y'all know that do that. That's, I know this is not y'all because y'all are holy. These are people that you may know that do this. It's not y'all. But hear me. We need to pray. Go to the place. Meet, meet the people. A friend in times of need meets you in the place where you are. Literally and metaphorically. A friend meets you in the physical location to tend to your emotional needs. To best tend to your emotional distress. They go spiritually and emotionally where you are to understand your grief. They go. Not, not, not text message. Not send prayer hands. Because that is too easy now. We don't even call people no more. Thank you, sir. We don't call folks. We don't even call say, hey, man, I'm sorry to hear about your, your law. Man, I heard you lost your job. I'm, man, I'm really sorry to hear about that. I'm, oh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, you're going through a divorce. I'm sorry to hear that. We don't do that. Like, man, hash the uh, emoji prayer hands. Maybe a scripture if we're good. And we need to stop. We need to be like Jonathan was. Go. Get in the face. Let me hug your neck. Let me let 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 us get close. Let us be intimate because guess what? The Bible tells us a triple braided cord. If we're together, we can stand against anything. And yo, yo emoji ha- prayer hands ain't enough for me. Right now, I need you. I need your comforting voice. I need the voice of Jesus. And maybe he's gonna use you to give me the comfort. Will you come? All right. Let me move on. I don't want to beat you up. 
A friend in times of need meets you in the place where you are, but also, number two, encourages, not criticizes. And some of y'all are like, no, nah, who would do such a thing? Nobody would criticize you, right? Do you know that criticism can be received another way? When you start talking about how you made it through something similar. Oh, <laughs> I've been through that. You, just, oh, you, know, you start talking about your stuff. Oh, that ain't nothing. You, <laughs> that ain't, you, you, you know what? I, guess what? You lost a toe. I lost a whole foot. But look at, look at me now. You lost your you lost your job. Listen, I lost my job and my house in the same week, and then my husband left. It's not a competition, but when you do that, you think. And listen, it comes from a pure place in your heart, right? Because you want to show them how you made it through through the grace and the power of God. Look at, ah, baby, I made it, and you can too. And I get that, but you got to be careful of that because what sometimes you're doing is you're making a comparison and you're making that person feel like they're not good enough. That God is not talking to them. I've been praying too. But why hasn't he shown up for me? I've I, I, I said that prayer. I, I actually read that same scripture you're telling me to read. But, but, but what, what gives? And guess what you just did? Subconsciously criticize them. Is there any hope for them now? Uh-uh. Not from you at least. You can't open your lips to offer encouragement to them now. What did Jonathan do? Jonathan left the comfort of his spot. He went into the wilderness, the darkness where the lions and tigers and bears are. Oh my, to encourage him, not criticize him. Like the friends of Job. Job lost 10 children, all of his money, all of his wealth. Then to add to it, a sickness and an ailment was on his body. And his friends had the audacity to say, man, just pray. And Job was like, I'm already doing that. I don't need you to tell me what I'm already doing. I just need you to suffer with me. Like you did for seven days, but then you stopped. I need, he's, he's saying, I would imagine Job would say this because, you know, Job predates this story I'm telling you about Jonathan. I would imagine he would say this, I need you to be like Jonathan was. He went to David in the wilderness to encourage him he went there to encourage him but guess where the encouragement happens watch this Jonathan says this in verse 16 Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God he says this and don't be afraid Jonathan what did he do he reassured him in other words when you reassure him you're already confirming something that that person already knows let me reassure you of something you're already cognizant of let me reassure you of something that you already know is planned for you to happen let me reassure you about something that you and I are well aware of so this is the Bible says it says Jonathan reassured him he says my father will never find you there's the encouragement you are going to be the king of Israel then more encouragement and I will be next to you as my father saw is already where man I'm suddenly feeling better about my situation because you just confirmed what I already knew you reassured me that everything that I already was aware of is going to happen that's encouragement it's not saying well listen if he did it for me he'll do it for you yeah that's good but tell me something about my future that I know I just need to be reminded of Tell me something about what's next that I already know. It's been confirmed, but I need you to reassure why you're suffering with me. 
We need to go and meet people in the place where they are. A friend in times of need encourages and not criticizes. Jonathan, in his encouragement, does three things. He reminds David of the promise of God. What was the promise? He was anointed king while he was still a shepherd boy. And from that point on, he's struggling and running away from Jonathan's daddy, who was the king. He reminded him, remember, you were anointed right there. God did it. He anointed you. Here's the second thing he did. Watch this. You got to understand this. He said, if God said it, he meant it, and that settles it. Amen. God said you're going to be king. God said you are more than a conqueror. God said to you, I made plans for your life, and they are good and not for disaster. God said to you, I will never leave nor forsake you. God made promises to you sitting here under the sound of my voice, and whatever you're going through, you got to understand if God said it, he meant it, that settles it, period, point blank, amen, benediction. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen at an appointed time that only God knows. Third thing, watch this. A friend in times of need stays with you through it all. A friend in time of need stays with you through it all. In other words, not seven days and seven nights. <laughs> not, watch this. Not once you get your breakthrough. Oh, yeah, cool. You got your breath. Man, you, you feeling better? Life is getting better? Cool. I'm still here. I'm still here. Watch this. Watch scripture. Let's go back to scripture. Don't listen to me. Verse 17. Don't be afraid. Then Jonathan reassured him. My father will not find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you. There's so much meat in that. Let me fix this real quick. I'm way over time, but I got to get this in you. Y'all ready? You know what he was saying right there? What's set out to kill you will not do it. God said that you're going to be king. Now, I know you're under attack. I know that you're going through some stuff. I know that the spears of the enemy is there. I know that the enemy is searching for you like a roaring lion in the daytime. I know that the enemy is on your back. But hear what I'm trying to tell you. What God said you would be king, it will happen. He reassured him in a moment. It's like, whatever, the, and, and I'm going to tell you, whatever the enemy's trying to do to you, whatever weight he's put on your back, it ain't going to kill you. It will not take you out. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't care what the judge says. I don't care what the lawyer says. I don't care what the job says. Whatever is on your back, it's not going to kill you. It's going to build you up. God will not take something and not replace it with greater. I can't speak to that in terms of a family member. I can't speak to that in terms of a loved one. But I can tell you this. God will restore joy in your heart greater than you've ever had before. I promise you. That's how God works. That is his nature. And God is not a man that he would lie. If he said it, he means it. That settles it. Amen. That settles it. Amen. Now watch this. A friend stays with you through it all. Jonathan further encourages David that what may be trying to destroy you will not be successful. Okay? Then he assured him, watch this, 
of God's plan of elevation in David's life. The anointing to be a king. In other words, what God said will happen. You are going to be a king. There's no guess. You are going to be the king. You are going to be the king. A friend who is there with you will tell you, listen, this hurts. This is painful. It's terrible. Listen, we suffering through this together. No, you didn't lose a job. We lost a job. No, you didn't lose a house. We lost a house. They're suffering with you. They're going through your agony. They're with you through it all, all the way through your breakthrough. And all of a sudden, things get better. How do we know that? We know that in the end, King David becomes King David. In the end, King David becomes King David. The young shepherd boy who was anointed king becomes king. And what did Jonathan say? Jonathan said, when you make it through this, when we defeat my daddy, my daddy will never catch up with you. When you get to the promised land, buddy, I'll be right by you. Now, there's something in that. Why? Because Jonathan, who was what? Saul's son, should be the heir apparent to the throne. This man humbled himself enough to say, I'm not going to fight you for the position. You're way more qualified. Matter of fact, I'm going to be your greatest cheerleader, your greatest supporter. And when you get to the throne, buddy, I'm right there. So when you make it through the trials and you make it through the stuff, when you make it through your errors, I am there with you. That's a friend. That once you make it through it, once you get to a place where you're feeling better, once you're healed from your ailment or your disease, I'm still there. Once you get the promotion, look, look, look to your left or to your right. Look around you. I may be running circles around you to protect you, but I'm there. I am there. I don't care what hell the devil tries to present to you, buddy. I'm there. And ain't nothing going to separate us. I'm there. I don't care what it looks like. I'm there to encourage you. I'm there. To not criticize you, I'm there. To go where you are, I'm there. To get where you are emotionally, I'm there. And when you get successful, I'm still there. I don't want nothing in return. I just want you to know I'm there. That's a friend in a time of need. That's a friend in the time of need. Worship team, y'all can come. I got a scripture and I'm done. I love what the writer and Ecclesiastes wrote Ecclesiastes is a very poetic and beautiful letter written by one of the wisest kings that we know about in the Bible King Solomon the son of King David who we just referenced and he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes as he's come to the end of his life and he's accomplished all that he's set out to accomplish he's the wisest king which is exactly what he asked God for and God gave him that plus he gave him a lot of riches to go with it Solomon was a phenomenal man who accomplished much and accumulated much. But he comes to the end of his life and he realizes the most important thing. Can I share that with you? He says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, he's done all of these things by himself. But he's come to this realization. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Better yet, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This man who's done all of these wonderful things 
That is his most important point in that entire letter. How do I know? He goes back to that several times. He recounts how he realizes that all that he's accomplished was like chasing the wind. Has anybody ever tried to do that? Just let me know so I can world start. Because you look silly. But I think that's the message. We're trying to accumulate so much that we can't take the glory with us. And we're running around like chasing the wind. When Solomon says, the greatest lesson I've learned is I can't do life all by myself. I can't, I can't go through my suffering by myself. I can't fight off the enemy by myself. Two of us together will do good. But three, the devil don't stand a chance. Who's holding you together when your world is falling apart? Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.